turn in your Bibles to uh, Ephesians chapter 4. All right, those who are joining online, sorry for the technical difficulties. Glad to have you join us. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, while you turn there, I just want to remind you of two important things. Uh, Friday, uh, January 29th uh, is our annual general meeting because of the current uh, situation. We're doing this on Zoom. This is uh, the most important meeting for all members, and that's at 7 p.m. next week. So please make sure you have the details of that. And, uh, you know, you'll be voting on me as candidate for senior pastor tomorrow. Uh, you have another chance to connect with me, to ask questions. Uh, and that's at 10 a.m. by Zoom tomorrow. I'd love to hear your questions, love to hear from you. And I'd also love to meet with you personally or over the phone or over Zoom this week. So just send an email to admin to schedule if you'd like to meet personally. I'd love to connect with you. And already had several connect this past week, which has been wonderful. All right. Uh, with that, we go to Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, we're looking at verses 11 to 16 today. Let me read this to you from God's word. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Let's pray one more time. Father, we pray that by your word, you would cause us to see our Lord Jesus Christ risen and exalted, that he would build his church today and work in us what is pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. What is the job description of a pastor? You know, maybe as I say, job description, you think of an employment contract, you know, and someone gets appointed to a job, just like in your job, and contract that spells out certain tasks and responsibilities. And yes, of course, we have that at ECC. But what are the goals of a pastor? What is the goal of pastoral ministry? If you appoint me as senior pastor ECC, what do you think should be my main goals? And if you ask someone, what do pastors do, you know, they might say various things. Well, pastors preach, uh, they pray, they counsel, they shepherd, they teach, evangelize, care, and of course, so many other things. You, you could take all of that and, and just summarize it by saying pastors are responsible to do ministry. And that's how most people might answer. They do the ministry. But what does the Bible say about that? What is the purpose of their ministry? Why do churches have pastors? Well, today's text, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, is actually, you might be surprised, is the only text in the New Testament that uses the title pastor uh, to refer uh, to men in this work, in this office. Uh, everywhere else, the term shepherd, which is the same as pastor, is used in the New Testament. It actually refers to the Lord Jesus. And there are many other passages that describe the qualifications of pastors, the duties and responsibilities of pastors. Uh, sometimes the Bible speaks of the work of shepherding or pastoring as a verb, but this is the only text 
that shepherd or pastor in the New Testament is used as a title uh, for those who do this work. And what you'll see here is that pastors are not simply someone who decide to take on this job. You know, I want to be a pastor, so I go and become one. I get a seminary degree and become a pastor. Pastors are not simply men who are employed by the church to do this work. But what Ephesians 4 tells us is that pastors are gifts of the risen Lord Jesus Christ that he has given to his church with a purpose. And what we'll see today as we look at this passage are three goals of a pastor's ministry. Three goals that Christ intends for a pastor's ministry. Three reasons why Jesus has given pastors to his church. And so, brothers and sisters, if you call me to be your senior pastor, to serve in that capacity here, then I want you to understand that these would be my goals. These would be what I understand to be the key purposes for which Jesus appoints me to this role alongside your other pastors, the elders of the church, to serve. So what are these goals? We're going to look at three of them. And the first is this, that the risen Lord Jesus gives the church pastors first so that you would be equipped for ministry. So that you would be equipped for ministry. Look at verses 11 and 12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So what's very important not to miss is the context in, the, in which these words are spoken. He gave, Paul says, who gave? Now, If you look at verses 8 to 10, you'll see the context tells us that Jesus, the Son of God, came down to earth, he has defeated the powers of darkness through his death on the cross, he rose from the dead victoriously, and he has ascended into heaven. So we're speaking of the risen, ascended Son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ. He, it tells us he will fill all things, ultimately. Right? He has ascended on high so that he might fill all things. That, that means that our Lord Jesus presently rules over heaven and earth and ultimately one day all of creation everything this universe will be completely filled with his glory will be under his rule and reign and that will ultimately happen it's starting now through the church how will the great glorious king jesus fill creation with his glory and the answer we see in ephesians 4 11 to 16 is by building up his church. And here Paul wants to tell us how he does this work of building up the church. You might remember if you were listening last week, we saw that Jesus is the temple builder. He builds his temple. He is God's new temple and him we are as people added to the temple and he builds up his temple. This text will tell us how he does that temple building work. And it starts by saying he provides gifts so that the work takes place. He provides gifts to his church. And he names here four of those gifts. Four. It might look like five. I'm going to explain why I think it's four. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, and shepherd teachers. Right? So uh, let's quickly look at each of those. What are the apostles? Uh, now, I am convinced, I am of the view that 
the apostles here have a foundational role. They were those who were eyewitnesses of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Men like Peter uh, and John and James, men like Paul himself, who wrote the New Testament scriptures. They have a foundational role. We don't have apostles like that continuing in the church today or in the world today. Some people claim to be so, uh, but we would disagree with that claim. These are eyewitnesses of the risen Christ. And, and similarly, you have prophets, another foundational role. When, when the Bible speaks of prophets, it means these are men who authoritatively represent God and speak on His behalf. Those who say, thus says the Lord, and they're speaking God's word directly. Again, we don't think that those kind of prophets, those who are authoritative, direct spokesmen for God continue in the church today. There's a debate about whether prophecy uh, continues or not, and maybe you can have that uh, discussion and debate with yourselves over lunch. I'm not going to get into that this morning. But uh, this kind of role, of foundational apostles and prophets, those who are the foundation of the church, that's not repeatable. Uh, Paul says the same thing earlier in Ephesians, Ephesians 2 and verse 20. He says, we are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Right. So that's kind of a once-for-all role, and their ministry to us continues through the word of God, which they have given us. All right. So apostles and prophets. Then you have uh, this role, evangelists. What are evangelists? Uh, these are those who would proclaim the gospel to those who have never heard in, in the New Testament times and today. It's kind of a traveling uh, role. Uh, you think of church planters or missionaries, those who go to establish the church in a place where there is no church. Right? So uh, you had those, Paul himself did the work of an evangelist, went to new frontiers and planted churches. Uh, that's what uh, this office refers to. And then you have these terms, Shepherds and teachers. Now, it might look uh, to you like two terms, the shepherds and teachers, but really in the, in the grammar of, of the Greek here, it is one term, right? They are, it, it is one office, those who are shepherds and teachers, shepherds who teach, right? teachers who shepherd. Yeah, you could almost uh, hyphenate it and say shepherd teachers, and the word shepherd is the same as pastor, so pastor hyphen teachers, all right? That's, that's the office here. So we're talking about the purpose of these pastor teachers, pastors. And the first purpose of these gifts, I said, is in verse 12, if you look at verse 12 there, to equip the saints, the people of God, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So that's the first goal in this passage of pastoral ministry, to equip you for the work of ministry. And before we talk any more further about that goal, there's something that I want you to notice here about who pastors are. Pastors, dear friends, are gifts of the risen Christ. Now, I told you that this is the only text in the New Testament that uses the title pastor. Elsewhere, it speaks of the work of pastoring. And usually the title used elsewhere in the New Testament is elder or overseer. Okay, for those who do pastoral responsibilities. And at ECC, we believe, and we believe so because we see that in the New Testament, that these roles are interchangeable. Right? They're the same. Pastor, elder, overseer is all the same. So I and, and Pastor Kurt are elders in the body of Christ. We're paid elders. But those who also serve uh, as lay elders are pastors. Right? So we have Pastor Chris Monfort. 
Pastor Romeo Jalipa, Pastor Anwar Savaya, and such. Okay, And so this passage is speaking of the responsibilities, the goals of the ministry of all these men. All right? And it helps us to stay clear of two extreme views, uh, two incorrect views, I would say, of what a pastor is. One view is where people think, you know, pastor, well, a pastor is, they're, they're, they're the anointed man of God. You know, this is the, the CEO of the church. Or this is the guy who has the anointing, who has, uh, you know, who can make no mistakes. Whatever the pastor says, I do. You know, he says it, you do it. Uh, you know, whatever he says is directly God's speech to me. He can't be questioned. He can't be criticized. And a lot of people have that view. And brothers and sisters, we would say that's incorrect. We are ordinary men just like you, right? Ordinary people serving by God's grace, appointed to a weighty role and responsibility, still stumble in many ways, right? Weak, sinful, and working by the grace of God to serve the church. All right. If if someone comes to you with that kind of a mindset, you know, anointed man, if we don't believe that here, I wouldn't uh, counsel you to to take that view, and be careful of those who who make that argument, who build the ministry on a man. That's one incorrect view. It's pretty common, but there's another incorrect view that we also see. And this this view is almost uh, to treat pastors like you're just a paid employee of the church. You know, just just an employee, just a hired hand. The elders, well, they're just elected representatives to do my bidding. You know, and basically everyone in the church, every member of the church is your boss. You know, and and what we set the expectations, we have demands, and you're you're here to fulfill my expectations and meet my demands. Brothers and sisters, that's not what the New Testament teaches about pastors either. We're not just some employee or just some elected representative. No, your pastors, your elders, according to this passage, are a gift of Jesus. Jesus appoints us to this task. Jesus gives us to you to build you up. And this is not just staff pastors, but also lay pastors. They are men who are given by Jesus to equip you for ministry. I think of the lay pastors that God has blessed our church with, this entire team of men. Gifts of the risen Christ. Pastor Sam Marrero, Pastor Oscar Ramirez, Pastor Edwin Orogo, Pastor Adam Troy, Pastor Chris Monfort, Pastor Jay Bowen, Pastor Anwar Sawaya, Pastor Elias Abera, Pastor Alan Pineda, Pastor Andrew Archer, Pastor Nigusi Yadde, Pastor Caso Rear, Pastor Raymond Pardedi, Pastor Romeo Jalipa. And yes, even Pastor Kurt Romig and myself. Praise God for gifts that, that the Lord has given ECC. 16 gifts, 16 men given to you by Jesus as the fruit of his death and resurrection and ascension. That by dying on the cross, rising from the dead and ascending into heaven, Jesus has obtained this gift to give to you, to build you up, to equip you, dear members of ECC. I wish you could hear their prayers for you, how the elders pray for you by name. The love that they have in their hearts, that we have in our hearts toward you. And you know, sometimes members will ask me, somebody asked me this on on a call, what what can a member do to to help a pastor in their work? And I would say, simple, I would say, give us your trust. 
Give us your trust. You know, I, I, I know of bad leadership. I've seen bad leadership. It's an ugly thing. Sometimes in churches, you have pa pastors and leaders who abuse their leadership and abuse the sheep. And it's tragic. If, if that's your experience, you know, I'm so sorry for, for what you've gone through. Such a poor representation of the ministry of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what I want to say to you, though, is that's not the case here. I, I know these men. I've served with them now for years. And they are faithful, godly men who love you, ECC. And these elders are worthy of your trust. So if you call me to serve here as senior pastor, I want you to know I remain strongly committed to a plurality of leadership in this church. That I'm not the main guy. That we share in the work of pastoring and I will share in the work of pastoring with these men whom Jesus has appointed and given to you as gifts. You know, we're a congregational church, ECC, but we are an elder-led congregational church where elders lead so that you will be equipped for ministry. And that brings us back to why Jesus has given them to you. Why has Jesus given elders to you as gifts? And the answer is to equip you for ministry. Brothers and sisters, it's not just the guy behind this pulpit who's doing ministry. It's not just those who have a priest visa, Kurt and myself, who do ministry. It's not just the elders who do ministry. No, all of you are called to do ministry, right? Our ministry is to equip you to do ministry. Pastor teachers are equippers given to equip every member for ministry and for building up the body of Christ. Every member is a minister. And membership itself is ministry. When you commit to other Christians, membership here is not just adding your name to the list. We believe it is a commitment between Christians to help each other follow Jesus together. And that's your ministry, dear saints, to help one another follow Jesus. And we're here to equip you for that task. So, so how does that equipping happen? Well, fundamentally, it happens by teaching the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Fundamental to your ministry is the word of God. That's why pastors are teachers, pastor teachers. That's why we value and I am committed to expository preaching. That we preach from the Bible each week, not just our own ideas, but the main idea of the text of scripture is the main thing that we preach in our sermons. We're committed to that and we want to preach all of scripture faithfully. That's why we have discipleship classes and we have an emphasis on training and equipping because we want you to be equipped to fulfill the ministry that the Lord Jesus gives you. And so you can expect from your elders, from the pulpit, in smaller groups, one-on-one, -on -one, in larger groups, that fundamentally we equip you by teaching the word of God, the scriptures, so that you are equipped to share the gospel, to lead someone to Christ, to evangelize that friend or co-worker of yours who doesn't know Jesus, so that you are equipped to counsel one another, to disciple one another, speak the truth in love to one another and help each other grow, as we'll see in verse 15. Jesus, dear friends, has appointed pastors to teach his word so that you are equipped to serve him and to serve one another. And so I want to encourage you this morning 
to take every opportunity here in ECC to be equipped. Come on Friday mornings ready and eager to hear the word and to put it into practice in your life and to help others obey it. Join a life group and, and, and work in that life group to apply the word to each other's lives. Take a discipleship class every opportunity you get so that you are more equipped to take the truth to those who haven't heard and in every opportunity you get. So that's the first goal of pastoral ministry according to this passage. And that is a goal certainly to which I will seek to be faithful, to work together with the elders to equip every member for ministry. But that's not the only goal here, just being equipped to do ministry. In fact, there's, there's something greater and something even more to which Jesus calls us. And you'll see that here in the second goal of pastoral ministry that I want you to see in this passage. The risen Lord Jesus gives his church pastors first to equip you for the work of ministry and second, so that you will grow in maturity, to grow you in maturity. The Lord doesn't just call every Christian and equip them into ministry. He also has a growth, a, a goal of growth for every one of us. He wants us to grow. You know, with children, I have three kids here, eight, seven, and five, and they're a delight to my life. I see other kids here. If a child stopped growing all of a sudden, you know, and the years are passing, but they stay the same, you would have a concern. You would take them to the doctor. You'd want to get checked what's, what's going on. It's the same with Christians. No Christian is to stay stagnant and stay the same. No, Jesus calls each one of us and wants each one of us to keep growing in our Christian life, to keep growing in our understanding of the scriptures and in our relationship with him and with one another. And that's what you'll see here. Look at verses 13 to 15 again. It says, the context is that Jesus gave pastors to equip the saints for the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until, verse 13, we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And what I want to show you first are two ways, uh, two reasons why this growth is necessary, according to this text, and then I'll show you how this growth happens. So two reasons growth is necessary for Christians. First is for protection from false teachings. For protection from false teachings. Now, you know, between services, uh, I was uh, talking with Zach Carpenter and, you know, their little baby, uh, Elizabeth, who's just about a year old now, is going to turn one soon. And, you know, every time I look at Elizabeth, she smiles at me. You know? I might think that it's my pretty face that she likes, but it's really not. It's, she smiles at anyone who talks to her, right? Babies, kids are social, you know, and I say hi, and she's like, mm, smile, you're right. So kids are like that. I remember when, when my daughter, Carissa, you know, just around the age of two, and she learned to say hi for the first time, she would say hi to everybody. You know, anyone she meet when we moved to Abu Dhabi in the mall, hi, 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 right? And that's cute. You know, we love that about kids. We try to teach our kids to be friendly, you know, it's, it, it's nice, uh, but, but it can also be dangerous because kids are gullible. They're malleable. 
they give their trust easily to anyone. And if someone comes, then there are people in the world like this with bad intentions. We try to teach our kids this. Uh, sometimes there are bad people who are going to use, you know, that gullible nature of a child uh, to take them in and to do something bad. Well, it's the same in the church. There are bad shepherds. Wolves in sheep's clothing, Jesus calls them. Those who come, you know, seeming like giving you a, a, a spoonful of honey, but it's actually poison that will destroy your soul. And they seek to lead Christians astray. And, and if you are not equipped, if you are not grown in maturity, you can get blown about by every wind and wave of doctrine. Like the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel that teaches that you must always be healthy and always be rich if you have enough faith. Or those who teach you, you know, only positivity. It's your best life now. Or others who come and say, I'm a prophet and I'm predicting, you know, all of these things for this year. And, and then, you know, uh, the prophecies are proven wrong. And then they say, it's because you didn't have enough faith. Brothers and sisters, I'm concerned, especially during this time of COVID-19, you know, we're not all able to meet. Many, many of you are watching from home online and some people watching, you know, four, five, six church services online. Who knows what those teachings are? Or you get attached to this latest ministry of, of this internet preacher who sounds very nice and, you know, has a very compelling uh, way of speaking. But what he's speaking might be leading you astray. Be cautious. You know, every single YouTube video or, or Facebook post, oh, I watch this, I watch this again. And, you know, I get blown about. The passage says we get tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. And we want to protect you from this. That's why pastors are meant to be theologians, teachers, those who are firmly rooted in the scriptures. And, and you should test that. If anything comes from this pulpit, you should test it to make sure that it accords with biblical truth. And this is why you need to grow in maturity. We want you to grow, to be able to discern truth from error, to be rooted, to be able to test what you hear and, and, and say, well, I don't think that's right. And that's, that's vital. So first reason why growth and maturity is necessary is to protect you from false teaching. But there's a greater and more beautiful reason why our growth is necessary. And the second reason why our growth is necessary is for preparation for our future glory. Protection from false teaching, preparation for future glory. Look again at verse 13. It says, you know, we're building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Brothers and sisters, Christianity is a personal relationship with Jesus and with his people. And it, it begins now and it continues forever. Well, you know, we're a multi-denominational church. I'm sure many different backgrounds. We, we are united around the gospel and the Bible. But there are secondary matters on which we have various disagreements. One day, <laughs> it, it, we'll, we'll all believe the same thing. Because we'll be there in his presence together with him forever. Look around the room. These are the people you're going to spend forever with. Eternity with. Right? We'll be in Jesus' presence, united together in the faith, in sound doctrine forever. Sound doctrine is vitally important. It helps you grow in the Christian life. And it prepares you for that day when you will be with Jesus and with his people. We grow in knowing him, the text says, the knowledge of the Son of God. 
together with one another, growing in our personal relationship with the Lord, in our knowledge, not just of truths, but of the truth, a person, our Lord Jesus. We're growing into mature manhood to become more and more and more each day like Jesus. And the text says, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What does that mean? Now Paul says, Jesus is filling all things with his fullness. So one day, heaven and earth will be completely filled with his fullness. And for us to grow to the measure of the stature of that fullness means that we are each day getting more and more ready for that day. For the day when we will be, when all of creation will be filled up with Jesus. And even now, the church is meant to be the preview of heaven. This gathering, our love for one another, our commitment to one another, is a preview of the day we'll be all united in Jesus' presence forever, of that glorious day. And our role as pastors, my privilege as a pastor, is to help you grow and prepare for that day, that you would know Jesus so fully, so completely, that you would be mature and like him in every way. That's why we teach. That's why we work. Paul says in Colossians 1 verses 28-29, Him we proclaim, Christ we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he works powerfully within me. This is the reason we work, to present every one of you mature in Christ. So, you know, you might ask me, well, pastor, you're thinking of becoming senior pastor. What's your plan for church growth? How are you going to grow the church? And I would say, yes, I have a plan and vision for church growth. And I want to clarify, I don't mean growth in numbers. We don't grow the church numerically. That's God's work. I don't think our goal in church growth is to grow in numbers. Nor do I think it's the goal of church growth to grow the church's finances. Or, you know, some people have this other idea of like, no, we, we need to grow the, the, the platform and the brand of the church. You know, we're going to make our name great. You know, our platform, our vision, ECC, we're going to make our brand popular and, and, and you know, uh, known around the world. Well, that's not the primary goal of church growth either. No, brothers and sisters, my church growth plan what I'm committed to and what I think the scripture calls us to is that church growth is the growth of disciples. That's our vision here, to grow disciples from the nations, that you, that we would be more like Jesus, that we would love God and love one another more and fully reflect his glory, that we would be grown up to the day when he will fill all things with his fullness. That's our goal, to present every person mature in Christ and prepare you to meet him. So if you call me to serve here as senior pastor, that's my commitment and will be my privilege, ECC, that I would labor alongside your other pastors, the elders, to teach God's word so that you grow in maturity and everyone would be presented mature in Christ. What's the strategy for that? Simple strategy. Teach and preach the word of God. And this word will do its work. This word will accomplish all that God intends. 
Look again at verse 15. Paul tells us how this growth happens. How does the growth happen? How are we, how are we prepared for eternity? He tells us verse, verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. How do we grow in maturity? By speaking the truth in love. So it starts with pastors speaking God's word in love. Teaching the truth from the pulpit, teaching in personal conversations in all our ministry to you, discipling you with the word of God. But it doesn't stop there with the pastors. No, the preaching and teaching that we do should equip you to speak the truth and apply God's word to one another in love. Till Jesus comes back and we are filled up with all his fullness, this is the work that must carry on, is the members of the church, the people of God, are speaking the truth in love to one another and causing one another to grow. You are responsible, not just for your own growth as a Christian, but for the growth of other Christians whom God has placed in your life. That's God's church growth plan. And obviously, this takes a certain committed community life, a covenant community, where you know other Christians, where you're investing in relationships, not shying away from difficult conversations, or not, you know, stay away from this other Christian here because you feel shy because of cultural differences. Learning to be transparent with one another. Learning to have that difficult conversation lovingly with someone who's struggling in sin. Or being more transparent and open and confessing our own sins. It means that we open our mouths and scripture spills out of our mouths to one another. This means that your Bible reading is not just about you, dear friends. right? So you're reading your daily devotional. You're not just thinking about how this applies to my life, but you're thinking about how can I apply this truth to the lives of my brothers and sisters in the church. It's about each other. Opening our members directory and, and think about, I, I think about when I pray through the membership directory and I see each person there, I give thanks to God. Look at how this person has grown and look at how that sister has grown. And I continue to pray for more growth in their lives. And brothers and sisters, that's not just my role. That's not just the elders role. That's what we all should be doing. This is why Jesus gives you pastors, not just to help you grow, but to help you embrace your responsibility for one another's growth. So we continue to speak the truth in love to one another. We continue to grow in maturity. And as we do that, you'll see the ultimate goal take shape. Jesus' ultimate goal for ministry. We've seen that the risen Lord Jesus gives his church pastors so that, number one, you would be equipped for ministry. Secondly, that you would grow in maturity. And third, the ultimate reason is that we would be built up in love. Jesus gives his church pastors so that the church will be built up in love. This is the ultimate goal of all the equipping, all of the teaching, all of the growing is that the body of Christ would be built up in love. Look again, verses 15 and 16. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So the growth is from the Lord Jesus Christ, 
But if you read verse 16 carefully, you'll notice it's the body that makes the body grow. The body makes the body grow. We are building ourselves up in love by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ in us. And how does that happen? It says, by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly. So every member is contributing to the work of the ministry. Every member of the church, every joint and part is, is working properly to build up the church in love. The ultimate goal of pastoral ministry, the ultimate goal of the ministry of every member, dear brothers and sisters, the ultimate goal of our growth in the body of Christ is that we would be united and built up in love. Jesus says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples by how you love one another. And maybe you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not a part of the body of Christ, of the church. And you've seen the love of Christians. You've seen the relationships that people have at ECC in the church. And, and maybe you've thought to yourself, how do people have this kind of love for one another? I want to tell you the reason is because of Jesus. You see, we're all sinners just like you. We all fail and fall short. But the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to earth and died on the cross as a substitute for sinners, taking the punishment that we deserve. And for whoever turns away from sin and trusts in Him, we have the promise of eternal life and forgiveness of sins. And we are added to His family where He puts a love in our hearts for one another. So maybe you're watching online or you're here this morning. I want to call to you to turn away from sin to trust in Jesus and you will see that you are added into a family which is building itself up in love. You will experience a love of brothers and sisters like never before. Do come to Jesus. May I invite you to come and trust him. You know, speaking of being built up in love, it's hard to explain what that means. But it's easy to show. And I could show you several examples. I could speak of our dear elders who pray for you so faithfully, who seek to contact you by WhatsApp, by email, by phone call, who constantly have the members of ECC on their hearts. I wish you could hear their prayers for you. I could speak of our dear uh, Marhaba team, the welcome team, you know, all standing there and who so lovingly are here faithfully week after week under Sundar's leadership and, and they Every week, you can guarantee you come to ECC, you're greeted with a warm, loving smile. You may not see the smile because of the mask, but you see the eyes. They love you. I could speak of our dear sister, Myla, who has, sits in the same seat, week after week, service after service, faithfully serving in love, so that we would have song lyrics for our singing time and the scripture up on the screen. I could speak of the singing team and Pastor Adam and, uh, you know, the other brothers who serve, our brothers Cromwell and Luis, and the whole team of, of singers and musicians who are serving each week to enable us to sing with our voices lifted to God and have congregational singing each week. I could speak of so many different ways. Children's ministry, I just think of children's ministry, and we haven't been able to meet and have children's ministry in the building. But brothers and sisters who are sacrificially giving of their time and, and putting efforts in to teach and equip our children on Zoom. I think of John Bonner and Rebecca Reed and Jenny Paddy Gray, Lisa Collier, so many others who are teaching our kids over Zoom. 
Oh, there are so many wonderful examples in this church of the body of Christ building itself up in love. But the finest example that I've experienced in our church and I could give you, I could show you what this means. If you come with me, if you came with me or go to Burjil Hospital in room number 526B, where our dear brother Lamuel Bashir is in the final stages. We don't know, God could do a miracle and heal him. But he's preparing to go home to the Lord. In the final stages of his battle with cancer for the last year now. Lamuel and Sarah became members of our church two years ago. And if you went to Burjil, what you would see is a 24-7, round-the-clock stream of ECC members visiting them. Keeping vigil in their room by day and by night. Praying with them. Singing hymns with them. Just being there. It's been so beautiful. I wish I could show you how last week when, when we thought that, that the end was near for Lamb, how Pastor Sam, a lay pastor, works a full-time job, went there in the night at 10.30 and with a group of ECC members, they were all around Lamb's bed and sang hymns till 3 in the morning, praying for our brother. You know, no one else on that floor, Sarah was telling me, all the doctors are amazed and everyone is amazed to see these you know, international visitors, Zach and Noemi Carpenter, Scott and Lynn Altemeyer, uh, uh, P.C. Lim, our brother Tanvir who stays up all night over there, Jorge and Blanca uh, Vasquez yesterday, she, Pradeep and Sheba Nainan whose visit Sarah told me was such a blessing to her soul. Staying and being the body of Christ. No other visitor, no other uh, patient on that floor has those kind of visitors. The doctors are amazed and they ask Sarah about this. Brothers and sisters, that's the body of Christ building itself up in love. And if you call me to serve here as your senior pastor, it would be my privilege to equip you for that ministry until we're all together forever with Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise and we thank you for the gifts that you give to build up your church. And we pray that we would continue to grow in love and in maturity so that you would be glorified in us and us in you forever. In Jesus' name, amen.